Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Uh, the word of the Lord is fat and sassy. <laughs> uh, I've actually had this on my heart for a little while, and, um, but I didn't feel like uh, it was the time to share it. But as I was praying uh, recently, the Lord uh, brought me back to this and released me to share it. And so I want to share this message today, fat and sassy. And no, this is not a message about broccoli or eating better or going to the gym, although that's good. That's important. Health, physical health, all that stuff, weight loss is important. I'm personally working on that in my life, uh, but that's not what it is. But it is about health and unhealth. Uh, I don't know if you, anybody realizes, but unhealth <laughs> just seems way easier to achieve than health. You know what I'm saying? Especially the older that I get. I'm going to be 46 this year. My wife's birthday, she turned 40 yesterday. And so uh, if you see my wife, Pastor Heather, uh, please make sure you tell her happy birthday. Um, much of what takes place in this church happens because uh, of her. And so uh, super thankful for her, not just in my life, but in our church. And um, But the older that I get, I realize it's much easier to attain unhealth. You know, it's like... Uh, like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I start like gaining weight in curves and places I never had that problem before. Anybody else have that problem? You know, I'm like, when did this start happening? Where did this come from? Why is this happening to me? Like when I was younger, I used to be able to get up and run three miles in 20 minutes. And now I'm like walking half a mile in 20 minutes. And I'm like, Lord, deliver me. It's just amazing how easy it is to experience unhealth and uh, health actually takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of focus. Health takes a lot of strategic decisions, saying no to a lot of things that can be good or appear good but are bad, to say yes to some things that uh, are healthy. Health, I've also realized, it also isn't, uh, isn't cheap. It's not free. It costs quite a bit to achieve health. And health um, requires a four-letter word. I'm not sure if I should say it in church. Some of y'all are going to be shocked. Your pastor said a four-letter word. And some of y'all are thinking of other four-letter words. I'm talking about work, W-O-R-K. Like health requires work. You know what I'm saying? But my concern is that if we're not careful, unhealth slowly begins to build up behind the scenes quietly until that one day when it comes out of nowhere and then it's a problem. Where did this come from? And it's actually been building up slowly over time because if it just, if if unhealth just out of nowhere came all at once, it would be easy to identify the source and how we got there. But when it's slow and it's quiet and it's done over time, over weeks, over months, over years, and then we get down the road and we're like, how did this even happen? How did I get to this place? I thought I was healthy. I thought I was doing good. And all of a sudden, this unhealth comes out of nowhere. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It's been building up. It's just that we haven't been paying attention to it. And the same is true in our spiritual health. It's going to take some work for you to be spiritually healthy. So question, is your spirit man? 
Come on, men, is your spirit man? Ladies, is your spirit woman healthy? Is there health in your spirit? My concern is that there are too many people who are spiritually fat and sassy. You know what I mean? Like spiritually out of shape, spiritually unhealthy, spiritually overweight, spiritually obese. And there's unhealth being produced. And it's seen because we can't endure a storm. It's seen because anxiety knocks us off our rocker and we just, we can't deal with things anymore. It's seen when somebody says one little thing to us or doesn't say it exactly how we want it and we're offended and we're out the door and how dare they, they don't know my life. Unhealth begins to show itself through many different kinds of ways. But I think one of the greatest ways that unhealth comes is when we begin to shift into this mindset of being a consumer rather than being a contributor. I've, I've said it before, and I'll probably always say it, but you are not called to be a spiritual consumer. You're called to be a spiritual contributor. But when all I do is consume everything, what happens? I just Keep getting bigger, more bloated, and bigger and bigger. If there's, if there's never any outflow and all there is is inflow, there will not be any health that is produced. The problem is, is that we like to consume things, don't we? <laughs> we like to receive things. We like to be fed. And the problem is, is that when we're consuming everything and we're not, out, there's no outflow of things, it's easy to think that we're healthy. It's easy to think that things are good because we're consuming things. But the problem is, is that most of the time when it's just all about what we can consume and did I get fed there today and did it encourage me and did I feel good afterwards? Like, and then I'm going to listen to this and then I'm going to, if everything is just about what I can consume, then we begin to think that we're actually healthy, but we're just consuming a bunch of junk. Um, one of the things that, um, the Lord has been speaking to me on it just personally is about my health and just kind of the foods that I've been eating. And so I've been reading and studying and learning about the ingredients in our food and I won't get into it too much. But what I've learned is that some of the things that I thought were, I knew they weren't the most healthiest for me, but actually contain things inside of it that are actually deadly to me. And so often we're consuming things that are actually junk and then we have this perception of growth well i listened to 18 podcasts this week and i and i watched this and i did this and and i got this and we're consuming so much stuff with this perception of growth growth but it's just unhealth that's taking place because everything is just coming in they're just consuming everything that we can and it results in us being spiritually bloated overweight a little fat and sassy a little fat a little and then we start to feel a little happy about it you know it's like when you eat too much and you but but it feels good i'm gonna keep eating you know what i mean like like it's that kind of picture uh, it's it's really a picture of people who take in the word but never give it out receive everything but never serve earn everything they can but never give 
We become spiritually fat and sassy. But I, I don't know about y'all. I'm just glad to be surrounded by a bunch of people. Come on, I'm talking to you. A bunch of people who are more interested in being spiritually healthy and growing than we are just having everything that we could have. Amen? Come on. We're not going to be uh, spiritually fat and sassy. We're going to be those that grow spiritually and have health. We're going to be spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. Right? Um, we're going to move beyond, like, I like, and listen, I love podcasts. I love learning. I, 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 if, you, if you get close to me in my life and, and outside of a Sunday and, and we sit down and we talk and you ask me, like, one of the things you will hear me say is uh, leaders are readers. I'll start asking you, what books are you reading? What are you, where are you learning? Like, I am all for learning. I have podcasts that I listen to regularly. I, I have my list of books that I'm, uh, I'm, I've already read this year, and one's a stack of books that I'm going to read after the one I'm reading right now. Some are spiritual books, some are not. Some are about uh, business or all different kinds of things. Some just fun. Like, I'm just, I, like, I love to learn. Anybody else? Like, getting information is good. We should be doing that. But the problem is not the getting of the information. The problem is when there's no outflow. The problem is when it's just what I can get, right? And, and I think most Christians are in that place of everything has just come in. And, and most of the time, I, I think it doesn't happen on purpose. Like, I don't believe most people set out to be like, you know what? I just want everything for me, and I don't care if I give out. No, but it just, it just happens so easily, so quietly, just over time, over weeks. Well, it's just, been, it's just been a busy season, and we just haven't been able to. Listen, we all have the same time. It's just what you choose to occupy your time with. And you can make different decisions with your time and your energy. We all have time. We all have energy. It's just how we use it. So saying I'm too busy to have spiritual outflow in my life, like you can say that, but it's really just the excuse to justify the unhealth you you are happy living with. It's just you, you've come to enjoy that amount of unhealth in your life. And that's where people slip into this phase where they're like, well, no, I have some outflow. I, like I told somebody, I, I paused and told somebody hi today in the lobby. You know, like, like uh, I, 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 put a, I put a tip in the offering bucket today. Like I've got some spiritual outflow in my life, right? There's a difference between a singular moment of just, oh, I encouraged somebody. I told some, like, oh, I'm sorry you're going through a hard time. I'll be praying for you. Anybody ever been in that place before? I just love in those places, like, and maybe you've been around, like, you've, like if somebody's, like, telling me something, like, let's pray right now. I don't want to forget about it later and be like, told somebody I'd prayed for him. And then like, just, no, we're going to pray right then. That's just a great way to have some spiritual outflow in your life. If somebody's going through something, don't just say, I'll pray for you. Like, let's pray right now. And you lead the prayer. I know some of y'all are freaking out on the inside. You're like, what do I pray? I don't know what to pray. I'm not a good prayer. Uh, Pastor, can you come pray for this person, please? Stat right now. You know, like, no, you boo. You got it. You're a good prayer. Just start praying. Just start talking to God like if it was you. God, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the solution is. But God, you know and you care. about. Just, just start praying. Just start talking to the Father. That's free. That's not even part of the message today. We live in an age where it's information is so easy to get. Never have we had so much information and so much easy access to information and so little application of the information we've received. If you get the information but you never do anything with it, what good did it do to get it? Like wisdom is the application 
of the information you received. Like, we've got to begin to be people who don't just know some things, but the things that we know then begin to change who we are. It begins to change how we live and how we act, how we talk to each other and how we think. It's got to get to that place where it's not just nice things that we hear, where it's not just reposting some things that sound really spiritually good. And I'm going to repost that because I'm not sure if that's in the Bible, but it sounds good. So I'm going to repost. Like it's so much more than that. That's not spiritual outflow. Spiritual outflow is what's been given to me freely is then given away from me freely to someone else. Amen. The Apostle Paul actually wrote about this. If, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. If you want to follow along in the Version Bible app, there's a QR code, and you can follow along in those notes on there that way and take notes in there. It's, it's a great way to do that. Uh, it says this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. It says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't that sound like today? People wanting to create their own version of the gospel, their own truth to fit their own desires. And he even says that. He says they won't put up with sound doctrine. So you could be preaching exactly what the Bible says and people won't want to hear it. He says instead to suit their own desires so they don't have to change, in other words, to be more like God, right? To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers a great number of YouTube channels, a great number of podcasts, a great number of things. Let me find, uh, that was, that's not going to justify what I like. Let me find this one. Okay, what about this one? And this one makes me feel really good about where I'm at, and I, it helps me to stay where I am. So I listen to that one. Gathering all these voices, right? He says, to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Question, what's the source of truth for our lives? God's word, unchanging, the source of truth in our lives. Like, we've always got to come back to what God's word. So what do we do? How do we make sure that we're not those who turn aside from the sound doctrine? It's a great question. Thanks for asking. I believe the key to create spiritual health in our lives, one of the keys is to have a spiritual outflow of our lives, right? It's got to be flowing out of us. Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, he's giving instructions to his disciples on how to do this. How do we have spiritual outflow? And look what he says. He says, as you go. Interesting, he didn't say if you go. You know, he says, as you go about your life, as you go into the world, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to work, as you go to, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you've received, freely give. So here's the instruction on spiritual health, on the outflow of the Spirit, is that wherever you go, he says, let the kingdom of heaven be declared from your life. Pray for people. Pray for people to be healed. All the things, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. There should be an outflow from our lives that we have freely received from God. When things aren't flowing out of our lives, then it's not producing the life of God. When there's no outflow of the Spirit, then it's producing death. There's either life being produced or there's death being produced. There's no in-between. It's much, it's much like the Dead Sea. 
Anybody ever heard of the Dead Sea before? It's a body of water on the border of Israel. It's the lowest point on the earth, about 1,400 feet below sea level. And the interesting thing about the Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea because it only has tributaries and rivers running into it. It has no rivers or anything running out of it. So it's only receiving. Interesting fact, because it only receives water, because there's no outflow, the high level of salt and alkalinity in the water is so high that nothing can live in the water. It's one of the only bodies of water in the world that cannot support marine life. There's no fish in it. There's no little dolphins (laughs) jumping. There's none of that. (laughs) Thank you. I got to make sure y'all are paying attention. There's nothing that can live in it. In fact, when you go to the Dead Sea, people will swim in it and you float to the top. Like it, you, you can't go in there because there's so much salt content. There's nothing flowing out of it. Everything in it is dead. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. And it's really a picture of many people who call themselves Christians. They're like the Dead Sea because everything is just flowing into them. And then they leave church. Well, I didn't get fed there. Oh, I didn't like those songs they sang. I like a different kinds of songs. Listen, the songs ain't for you anyways. <laughs> Worship ain't about you. It's not for you. It's about him and to him. Jesus said it this way, John 7, verse 38. He said, whoever believes in me. Anybody believe in Jesus? Okay. So, so he's talking about us, right? Whoever believes in Jesus, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within you. A river of living water is meant to flow through you, to flow out of you, to someone else. A river affects everything that it flows by. It can't be contained. It cuts through the landscape uh, and it brings life. Wherever there's river, you'll find life. You'll find things growing beside it, trees and grass. And you'll find uh, animals coming to it. You'll find fish swimming in it. There's life in a river. There's no life in the Dead Sea. You're called to be a river. Jesus said it. Not supposed to be a reservoir. Not supposed to be the Dead Sea. You're meant to have an outflow of the Spirit from your life. It's not about good vibes only. Sorry. It's about the rivers of living water. Spiritual life flowing out of you that you receive. Wouldn't it be a shame if all we received from God was good vibes? That would not save us. And yet we walk around sometimes... And that's what we're trying to give out. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't. Listen, the cross is already offensive. It's not you anyways. Jesus said, if, if they deny you, it's not because of you. It's because they're denying him. Right? So I want to take the next few moments that we have together today and just share what I, what I consider four practical keys just that this week we can begin to create some spiritual outflow in our lives. Four simple things that we can begin tomorrow and Tuesday to begin to do one of these things, to put them into practice, we'll create this spiritual outflow in our lives and start to produce spiritual health in us. Here's the first one. Create keys to creating spiritual outflow. Practice what the word says to do. Some people, uh, some people will say, be a doer of the word. Do what the Bible says. I, I, I put it in this terms, practice it, because growing up, I was involved in a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of extracurricular activities, soccer, uh, track and field. I ran track and field, the four and the 800-meter uh, dashes, 
did, uh, played baseball, was in the orchestra, was in the band. I was in a lot of things. What's interesting about uh, all those different kinds of activities is they all have one thing in common. Do you know what it is? Practice. You can call it whatever you want. Practice, rehearsal, whatever. They all have some form of practice. A practice is where you set aside a specific amount of time, typically every day after school. It's regular practice, a couple hours each day to practice. And when I was on you know, a soccer team, the coach would have us get there and we'd start by stretching, warming up. My least favorite part about practice because it's just boring. Practice is not always the funnest thing, right? I, don't, I didn't play soccer for practice. We, we, we sign up to play soccer or baseball or in the band or the orchestra for the game, for the performance. We think it's about that, but that's a singular moment of being involved in that activity. Actually, when you're involved on a, a sports team or in a band or an orchestra, you spend I- infinitely more time in practice than you do in the game. But without the practice... You wouldn't be ready for the heat of the moment in the game. Without the practice, you wouldn't know how to play all together in the orchestra. And it would sound like a bunch of disjointed people kind of doing their own thing. And why is that guy, the conductor, standing at the front waving his arms? What's that about? Without practice, we couldn't perform to our best and our most in the game because it would be the first time we'd be doing anything. So what do we do in practice? We stretch. We warm up. Then the coach starts making us do drills. Over and over. That's not right. Do it again. And over and over. Not like that. Like this. A good coach teaches you how he wants it done, right? Over, do it again. That was better. Do it again. Over and over drills. And then he starts, what, talking about strategy. Okay, our next game, we're playing this team. This is how we're going to beat them. These are the plays we're going to get in. Let's get in our positions and set this play. Start working stuff in. And then we get to the end of practice, and we all do our favorite thing. Start running wind sprints. Woo, baby, Jesus, help me. You know, like, Lord, deliver me. Running wind sprints. That's no, like, practice isn't the thing that we all love to do. But the practice is required if in the moment of the game, When the pressure's on and the defender's coming at you and you've got to score to win the game or you're going to lose, what's going to happen? If you haven't spent time in practice, you probably ain't going to be able to make the shot. That's what I love when you start looking at the greats of in all the sports, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. They talk, they sure they'll tell you about the games, but the first thing they tell you is about practice. You don't practice and all the hours and all the times they spend in practice. Practice is a thing that prepares us to achieve victory in the game. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. We have, as, generally, as Christians, we go through life without practicing spiritually. And then we're hit with a storm and we have no idea what to do. Our lives crumble and fall apart because we haven't spent time in practice spiritually. So then when we feel anxious, we're like, well, I guess I just have depression and anxiety. Give me some pills. Well, I, I mean, the economy's bad and, and money's just tight, so I guess, I guess we're not going to be able to give. We haven't been practicing. We feel a certain way in a moment, and then I go, well, I, I guess maybe God didn't make me a man. Maybe God made me do it. I just don't know. I feel so confused because we haven't spent time in practice. Practice is required if we're going to make it through. Listen, you're going to go through challenging times because we live in this crazy, messed up world. Come on, somebody. Like if you've been alive for five minutes, you know, like you're going to experience difficult times. You're going to experience moments where you feel anxious, where you feel discouraged, right? Because you're a human being. So if you feel that way, like it, it doesn't mean you're a terrible person or a terrible Christian. It means you're a human being. 
right? Feeling anxious is not a sin, but then what I do with that in response, that's where the problem becomes. When I feel anxious, I have the ability to keep that and just be like, well, you know, I become more anxious and more, more worried or more fearful, more depressed or whatever else. Or I can utilize the spiritual tools that God has given me to walk through the feelings of anxiety and come out with victory on the other side. It's just, it's just up to you. But if I never practice how to experience the comfort of God's presence, if I never practice what peace in God's presence really feels like, then I can easily be tricked into a counterfeit peace and comfort because I don't know what his comfort and presence really feels like because I've never practiced it. We've got to begin to practice what the word says, like practice reading the Bible every day. Practice spending time in prayer every day. Practice like coming into God's presence. So that's one of the things that's powerful about being here together in church. Like practice being faithful and showing up every time. Because when you come in, you know the presence of God is going to like drop on you. And you're going to be like, okay, wow, God, how have I not felt you this way all week? Right? Because he didn't leave you when you left this room. The same presence that you felt a moment ago when, when Kevin and Elena were singing and leading us in worship, right? That same presence of God, the power that you felt, you know, like felt the goosebumps and all that, that's great. But that same presence of God is with you in that stressful meeting at work. He is Emmanuel, God with you. He's, he's not going to leave you, walk away from you. He's with you all the time. It's just that we don't always feel him, right? But what if we just begin to practice, like I'm going to show up every week and then tomorrow morning before I go to work, if I just took a few minutes to practice being in his presence, there's, there's a, a, a principle out there. It's called the rule of 100. Anybody ever heard of it before? It says that if you will practice something um, 100 hours, 100 hours, that's why it's called the rule of 100. 100 hours, you divide that 100 hours up over one year, that's 18 minutes a day. If you will take 18 minutes a day, one episode of your favorite show on Netflix, and you will practice whatever the discipline is, playing the violin, writing speeches, reading your Bible, whatever it is, being, you know, learning code on the computer. If you will practice whatever the discipline is, 18 minutes a day, every day for a year, 100 hours, you will be better than 95% of the people in this world at that skill. And yet... It's, I don't know about y'all, it's so much easier to practice that extra episode on Netflix than it is to take that same time and practice getting in God's presence, reading the Bible, practice praying. Because here's what happens. When I practice the presence of God, when I practice being in the word, when I practice praying, when I practice giving faithfully, then when life hits me with its worst and I'm facing a terrible situation and I'm feeling discouraged and I'm feeling depressed, all of a sudden the things that I've been practicing, now I know what to do. Like, oh, self, encourage yourself in the Lord. God, I, I don't know what to do right now, but I've been, I've been practicing worshiping you every day, so I'm just gonna do that today. God, I worship you in the middle of this storm. Like, that's how you begin to be able to walk in those things. I know, like, recently, like, I've, uh, uh, I started battling with this anxiety and kind of stuff just more than I ever had before in my life, especially in regards to, like, physical health and those things that I'd been working on. And I started to, like, feel it in my body. Like, just feel like being overwhelmed by this 
anxiety that just, you know what I'm talking about? It feels out of control and your heart starts to get a little like what is happening. Oh my gosh. But I just, I remembered in those moments uh, I was lying there in bed just like, God, please don't let me die tonight. Can we just be real for a moment? I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I just, I feel led to share it. Like it was, it was that real for me. Like I was, I was struggling and and I'm, and I'm laying there and I'm praying, but something just rose up on the inside of me because of the things I've been reading and studying. I'm like, no, like, what does the Bible say? It says, don't be anxious about anything, but I feel so anxious right now. And then what happens, right? The word starts to come back to our mind and then instantly we start to feel guilty. But I feel anxious, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And what is that doing? It's a, it's a plan of the enemy to pull us away from the focus. And if we haven't been practicing how to get to the place of peace, the place of faith, the place of comfort, then I will just be swept away by the anxiety in that moment. (sighs) Okay, okay. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, bring my request to God. Then the peace of God that passes all my understanding will guard my heart and mind. Okay. God, I just thank you right now. God, I don't know what's going on, but I thank you that you're with me. God, I thank you. You've given me health in my body. God, I thank you, the Lord God, that your word says you will satisfy me with a long life and show me your salvation. God, I, you said to teach me to number my days, Lord God, and I thank you for this day, but God, if you will me to live tomorrow, I will live for you. God, I'm not satisfied yet. You've called me to do a lot of things. God, I want to live for your glory. God, I thank you for the life that you've given. Like, it's in those moments, like, if you've been practicing, then you can press through and stand up and do those hard things. But if you haven't been practicing, like you're probably not going to be able to press through in that moment. Take some practicing of those regular moments because uh, I've heard it said you're either in a storm, you just come out of one, or you're about to head into one. <laughs> like, and it's not to discourage you, it's just the facts of life. And man, I want to... More than anything, I want to equip you for those moments. I want to equip you for those moments so that you can stand, right? That's why the Bible says, what in this world could separate us from the love of God? And he lists a bunch of things. He says, nothing can. But if we don't know that, if we don't know how to stay connected in him, if we haven't been practicing those moments, man, it's going to be real hard for us to keep ourselves in that place. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9, the Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. But look what he says next. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Look at your neighbor and say, put it into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. When we begin to put some things into practice, what happens? Man, it unlocks the door to the peace of God in our lives. And I, I love what he says. He says, whatever you've seen or heard or learned from me, like put it into practice. Because Paul was living out scripture before them. Like he's showing them they didn't have the Bible. He's writing to them, right? And so he's teaching them all these things that we have now. And I've never seen the apostle Paul with my eyes. He's He's in heaven already. He's dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, we haven't seen him, but what, what God didn't leave us alone. He provides us spiritual leaders in our lives. Come on, somebody. And I'm so thankful for those in my life 
that have modeled that life for me. My pastor growing up and the life that he lived, like I'm, I'm who I am today because I, like, I've made conscious decisions like I want to live like that. He lived in such a way and I'm going to begin to live that way. And, I, and I'm saying this not because of anything of me, but like because, because I'm not perfect. But if my life can be an example, like let my life be an example. Like follow me in the way that I'm going. Like I'm not everything. I'm not your savior. I'm just a tour guide. But if you want to, man, if you want to produce some health, get around some people that are already producing health and follow their life. I got I to gotta move on because I'm getting behind on my time. Here's number two. Ways to create spiritual outflow in our lives. Speak life into people. If you want to create spiritual outflow, first practice what the word says. Number two, speak life into people. You, there are many languages to talk in, many words to say, and, and you are free to say whatever you want to say. But I'm just telling you, some things you can say are not beneficial. Some things you can say are good. But I just wonder sometimes, why is it that we constantly feel the need to tear each other down? To make jokes at someone else's expense, to them, about them, telling them something that's not who they are, not what God says they are in a moment because it's funny or people laugh or whatever. Like, man, I'm just, I'm tired of that. I don't know about y'all. I'm just tired of that. And I'm calling us up today. Like, some of us need to, like, like get, get our lips saved. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because we've been just speaking all this trash. We've been speaking all this cursing. And sure, we come into church and we change it up a little bit. So that people don't look at us funny. But then when we get home, man, it is on like Donkey Kong, you know. And it is just, just everything lets loose. Everything is just flying and this and that. And, and you no, know, Ephesians 4 says, don't let any unwholesome or corrupt talk come out of your mouth. But only let things come out of your mouth that are useful, that build up somebody else. So listen, if what you're about to say isn't going to build somebody else up or it's not about ordering tacos, zip it. Like, especially in the church, among Christians. Why, why are we okay with coming in and worshiping God and praising God and, and yeah, hey, brother, and all that kind of stuff, but then we're out hanging out, and it's like, you know, this and that, and yeah, you just can't do anything right, and, and blah, 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 you're just a screw-up. No, you're a blessing. James says, why should blessing and cursing come out of the same place? It shouldn't be that way. Pick one side or the other. Either curse me all the time or bless me all the time, but don't be in the middle. Come on, somebody. Like, we've got to realize there is life and death in the power of our tongue. And listen, I know none of us will ever be perfect. Example number one, okay? None of us are ever going to be perfect. It's not about that. But sometimes in our spiritual fat and sassiness, that's our excuse to not change. Well, I'll never be perfect. And that's, that, there's truth in that. When it becomes our reason to not have to change after, after every time we curse, after every time we whatever, well, I, I, I'm just not perfect, then it's just, that's just the way we like it. We like our unhealth. It's our excuse to not change. The Bible has a lot to say about our words. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words 
are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Did you know bone disease is uh, the number one uh, disease that people admitted to hospital and treatment for that then causes disease in other parts of the body, bone disease. And here you have a key to healing in your bones, health in your bones. It's the words that we say, your soul, your body, all the way down to your bones is listening when you speak. And could it be that our bodies are responding to the words that we speak and the words that we allow to be spoken into our lives? Could it be that being a teenager doesn't mean you're rebellious, but it's just the words that you've spoken and the words you've allowed to be spoken over your teenagers that then brings rebellion into their hearts? Come on. I'm preaching 87% better than y'all are in but it's okay. I love you anyways. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. He's not talking about eating, you know, a Florida orange or any like that. He's talking about the fruit of the words you say, the results of the words you say. If you love to speak life, if you love to speak words into people that build them up, if you love that, then you will love the results you get back from it. You will love the fruit of that. But if you don't love that, you love saying whatever pops into your head and spouting off and whatever, you will not love the results that come from that. And it's not just semantics. It's not speaking positive or just trying to, you know, whatever. That's, that's not what it is. If that's what you hear when you hear us talking about speaking life or speaking death, then you don't love it. You've misunderstand it. And it's, it's not even just, it's not even just, uh, well, all I can ever say is things out of the Bible. No, like we live life. Like we're going to have conversations and talk about things. It's just that the, the focus of my language is going to be on life and building people up, not on tearing people down. A couple great ways to begin to change your words and begin to speak life is get around people who are already speaking life and then stop talking. If, if you recognize my words haven't been good, well, then get around some people that you, you know, you say, well, their words are better than mine. So maybe they know some things I don't. I'm going to listen to what they have to say and start talking like they do rather than trying to pull them down to my level. Man, why are you so positive? All this? Why are you always talking like that? Don't you can. Of course you could. But we're trying to grow. We're trying to produce spiritual health. Come on. Another great way. Ask some questions when you're around that person. Copy what they're saying. Ask for help. Uh, when me and my wife first got a hold of this message about being careful with our words, we just made the commitment to each other. We were going to help each other to change our language. Um, and so we started, we, were like, we would ask each other questions like um, when we heard somebody say something like, that's going to drive me crazy. Do you want me to be in agreement with that? Is that what you meant to say? We just, we just decided we were going to help each other because really that's not driving me crazy. The truth is I have the mind of Christ. And the peace of God rules and reigns in my mind. You want to drive crazy? You go ahead, boo. But as for me and my house, like we're going to live in a sound, peaceful mind, right? You just got to, you got to recognize the words of your mouth are going to produce. Another great way to change your words is if you say something that's not full of life, just stop and say, I'm sorry, that wasn't nice. I didn't mean to say that. What I meant to say is, and then speak life. And <laughs> if you tell on yourself, you will change your words real Real quick. Come on. That's a good way uh, to, to, to change our words. Here's the third way to create spiritual outflow from our lives. Number one, uh, practice the word. Number two, speak life into people. And third one is get in a group. You can try to create spiritual outflow when it's just you by yourself, and that's great, but you can only go so far. 
You need other people in your life to help you, to encourage you, to push you forward. You need a group of people around you. You know, and I share this not because, not because I need, not because I need our church to look like we have more groups and better numbers. Like, I could care less. I care about the numbers because every person, every number is somebody's name. Right? I care about that. I care about the numbers because every day people are dying and going to heaven or going to hell. I care about the numbers that way. But I don't need the numbers to feel validated in what God has called me to do. There's a difference between the two. So I don't say get in a group because I need more groups. Because that just, then I got to manage more group leaders, you know, like, and, and I love that. We'll do that. I want to do that. But you need a group because you need a group. You need people around you. That's what I've loved about our groups in this season. I'm part of our men's group, helping lead that with my friend Edwin, uh, leading that, our, our men's group here at Victory. And it's been amazing because a group isn't about like getting together and listening to someone preach on their sermon. A group is about getting together with, for us, a group of guys and sitting around a table talking about what's going on in my life. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's what God is speaking to me. Then the next guy, here's where I'm at. And then we start to get to know each other on a deeper level and we start to pray for one another. And then it starts to build relationships with people in the church that I didn't even realize were going through similar struggles as my own. And both of us were struggling silently 50 feet apart in the opposite sides of the auditorium as we come and go every Sunday. And then we get connected in a group and we start to find more meaning. We start to find more deepening of our faith because of, we just got together and started talking to one another and praying for one another. Like you don't have to believe me, but you'll never really experience it until you try it. And you just need to get in a group and try it and see that it works. Listen, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's why you need a group of people. It's, got, it's like faith-based. If you want spiritual outflow, then it needs to be faith-based because I don't know about you, in our group, what I've seen is men who are growing spiritually because then when it comes to be their time to turn, all of a sudden, like, like when you've got to talk in front of even like three people, all of a sudden there's like a demand put on you. You've got to have something to say. You know, nobody wants to be the guy be like, uh, next and if that's where you are, that's okay. No one's going to force you to get up and exegete the Bible or any of that and give it, you know. But it's just, it's just about connecting relationally. I love what it says, Proverbs 27, verse 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like, what is a person really like, is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. He chooses. The, the people you allow closest to you, the deepest relationships, you choose those. And the kind of person you are is shown by the people around you. So if you're around people who are always cutting people down, joking at other people's expense, you chose to be there. You need that place. See, the, the, the power of the group is that it creates a place for you to be known. I gotta tell you this. The only way I know to tell you this is just to be straightforward. So a church our size right now uh, we've been averaging about 100 adults or so. We're growing quickly um, right now. A church our size, like, it's impossible for you to know everybody. You, you, you physically just can't know everybody in the room, even with just 100 people around. It's impossible. And I'm not even trying to create that. I don't need everybody to know everybody. Okay? But I need, what we want to do is create a place where you can be known. Everybody needs that place where you can be known. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Come on. 
And you're always glad they came. Too bad that was written about a bar, not a church. I, I want to create that in the name of Jesus. We need, you need to be known. As much, as much as you need to be known, here's number four. You need a place to be needed. You need to be known. You need to be needed. If you want to create spiritual outflow, then you need to get on a team. You need to be known. You need to be in a group. But you need a place to be needed. You are needed. You are needed. The church gets set up, but it can get it set up better with you. Did y'all know we set up and tear down every week in, this, in the cafeteria and the kids and in here? All the audio equipment. Like, we got to make it look like a high school after everybody leaves. <laughs> like, there... The best way to say it is, we, and we believe this, is we serve God by serving people. We serve God best by serving people. And there's lots of ways to serve others. I believe we should be serving in the church, but it shouldn't stop there. This shouldn't be the only place that I serve. I should serve everywhere I go. Why? Because serving is not a job that I do on Sundays. A servant is who I am. It's what I do. You can't take the servant out of me. It's who I am. So everywhere I go, every context I'm in, I'm there to serve. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Uh, Jesus said it this way. He calls his disciples together and he says, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. People that hold authority over people. Like, I'm the boss of you. Do what I say. He says, the high officials exercise authority over them. He says, but not so with you. So now he's drilling down into the church. Instead, I want you to be these kind of people. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You need to be known, but you need to be needed. There's a need that only you can fill, not just here, but in this world. That's why God created you. He had a hole that only you could fill. And so he created you. You need to be needed. You need to get on a team. In fact, you'll have a real hard time in this life doing anything significant alone. When you read the New Testament, all the things that that the church is supposed to do and believers are supposed to do, they're not solo acts. They're group acts. They, they require people being together to accomplish the purpose. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says it this way. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. He worked real hard. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So he's all alone. He works constantly. He's wealthy. He's got everything. The latest phone, the newest Tesla, the newest this, the biggest house. He's got it all. He's wealthy, but he's miserable. He's not satisfied with his own accomplishments because he's alone. He needs a team. Next verse. Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But come on, here's my Mr. T. But pity the fool. Sometimes you just got to read the Bible that way, you know. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And if two lie down... Uh, If two lie down together, they will keep one another warm. But how can one keep warm alone? 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And just so you understand that it's not about just being with one other person, that it's actually about being on a team. He goes the next step in the next verse. A three-stranded cord cannot be quickly broken. We need each other. God designed us this way to be better together. And at some point on your journey with God, you got to get on a team to start being significant, to start being, seeing exponential speed take place. Come on, let's get to our feet today. We need a place to be known. And when you're known, it's there that you can go from just being known to being needed to being filling a need and over time with consistency you begin to realize that spiritual health is being produced inside of you you've been practicing you've been practicing the presence of God you've been changing your words it's taken time over time and consistency you've been serving you've been giving you've been doing the things and it's over time you begin to recognize the spiritual health that's being produced so this is the week Come on, somebody. This is the week. So what are we going to do this week? We're going to be careful with our words. Lord, put a guard over our mouth. Come on, right now, if that's you, you're saying, I need a guard over my mouth. I've been careless with my words. I know maybe it's a hard pill to swallow, but you're here today, and the Holy Spirit's just con- convicting your heart. It's, it's not, you're not a bad person. Man, it's just that God wants to make you more like him, to draw you closer. And as you do, things begin to change. Priorities begin to change. And one of those is in our words. Why? Because your faith is released through your words. God wants to build faith in you. But if your words are constantly released in doubt and cursing and tearing down, there's no faith in that. God wants to build faith in you because he has set some things before you to accomplish that's going to require great faith. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.